Well, good morning once again. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and to gather together in, in the name of Jesus Christ, the only name that we have to, to gather underneath. Um, and today, again, we commit our lives to Christ. Uh, our, our text for the second week of, of Advent, this second week, comes from the lectionary second reading, which is generally a, a New Testament reading. Um, and so this, this week we are, we're turning to Second Peter, uh, the third chapter. I invite you to open your Bibles or, or point your devices in that direction. It's right at the very end, so just keep going back and back and back and back till you find Peter. If you hit Revelation, you've gone just a little too far, so... Um, as you're able and out of reverence for the reading of God's word, would you please stand as we read today, Second Peter uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 8 and reading through the first half of verse 15. Don't let it escape your notice, dear friends, that with the Lord a single day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a single day. The Lord isn't slow to keep his promise, as some think of slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to change their hearts and lives. Some translations saying all should repent. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a dreadful noise. The elements will be consumed by fire, and the earth and all the works done on it will be exposed. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be? You must live holy and godly lives, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. Because of that day, the heavens will be destroyed by fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home. Therefore, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found by him in peace, pure and faultless. Consider the patience of our Lord to be salvation. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. We're dropping into the New Testament uh, text this morning uh, at a time when the early church is, is really experiencing this major expectation versus reality moment in their lives. You have those moments where expectation is here and reality is here and they just don't, they don't, they don't connect, they don't meet, meet up. As you read through this text, we have, we have a, a major event happening here in the life of the church. There is grand and great disappointment. And what's that disappointment? What's that disappointment? The disappointment is Jesus hasn't come back yet. He's not here yet. He's, he's nowhere to be found. He's, he, we thought he was coming. With, uh, the early church thought he might return in a, in a single generation. That those that knew Jesus before might actually also witness his second coming. And that had not happened. <laughs> one, one writer I was reading this week named Brosen talked about how, how more than any other, this, this passage, this section of Second Peter really reveals uh, a new tone. Uh, and reveals how late it had been written as compared to some of the other New Testament 
writings. We have Jesus talking about nobody knows the day or the hour. Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who have died. And he talks about the, the second coming. <laughs> Peter's like, it could be a thousand years. We don't know. <laughs> the, the tone changes. And as he talks about Jesus coming again, now we're talking about thousands of years being like a day and a day being like thousand years. And here we are about 2,000 years later or two days later. Peter offers this new perspective, a new perspective on, on what they're going through and what they're weathering through and says, listen, folks, this isn't just slowness. <laughs> this isn't God being slow. This isn't God kind of missing his mark, missing his cue. Uh, it, made, it reminded me of something, and I don't know how it reminded me of this. Next week, we're excited for the, for the kids' musical uh, to be part of our worship services. Um, little plug, again, it's both Saturday and Sunday. But it reminds me of this TV special that I used to watch as a kid. Did you guys ever watch the, the, great, the best Christmas pageant ever? Anyone? Anybody remember? Okay, thank you. I got a couple of hands. Teens are like, my kids are like, Dad, you're old. Um, it's on YouTube if, if you've been missing it. Um, but there's this moment at the end of the, at the during the pageant where, where these, these kids, the kids that uh, they were concerned about were given all the lead roles um, and, and the angels were supposed to, the angel was supposed to appear to the shepherds. Where, where, where's the angel? Where's the angel? And, and the, the adults are like diving into the back, back room saying, where, where did the angel go? And the, and the angel appears at the back of the church and comes running forward, delivering his line perfectly, and then like shoving the shepherds up. Get close to baby Jesus. Come on, he's up there. Don't stand in the aisles. Um, that's not what's happening. God isn't missing his cue for Peter. God is being patient. God is not wanting any to perish, but wanting us to get our lives right, to repent. It's not a delay for no reason, but a delay with intent. Waiting's kind of hard sometimes. Waiting's kind of hard sometimes. It reminds me of Walmart lines or Costco lines at Christmas time, right? Uh, I, I remember, um, first of all, quick show of hands, how, who of you, which one of you in the room today are the best at picking the slowest line in the store? Anyone? Yes, absolutely. I don't know how we do it, but you and I have that in common. I, there, there's... There, when the new Walmart opened in, in Washington, where I used to live, I remember coming around the corner, and, and they have those, those register lights that are lit up for those that are open, and there were, there were it looked like thousands of little lights that weren't turned on. <laughs> From like 1 to 40, no lights are on except for two, and then there's lines that are backed up all the way, lines a mile long. It's like making a quick trip to Albertsons and trying to find a parking spot in what I am convinced is the lousiest parking lot in Elmore County, perhaps the whole state of Idaho, at 5.15 p.m. Have anyone, and don't do that, don't do that. Just drive right through that parking lot and say it's not worth it, <laughs> we'll try again later. Or you go inside and you're just like, oh goodness. What does this do? 
What does this do inside of us? It has this effect on me, like stirring up stuff inside of me. (laughs) My jaw might clench a bit. Wrinkles develop above my eyebrows magically. I feel feel this tension begin to, to grip my shoulders and the back of my neck and creep up into my head. Has this ever happened to you when you have to wait? Maybe I'm the only one. What are we talking about today again? What's this? Oh yeah, peace. Peace. How do we maintain a sense of peace in the waiting? Advent is this incredible time this time when when the joy of christmas is tempered by the fact that we have to wait for the baby to arrive i'd like to sing all the happy christmas songs where's joy to the world i like that one. Oh, holy night it's a beautiful advent hymn that we wait for Because in Advent, we find that there's value in the waiting. And that it's not a slowness for no reason. Or a slowness with no purpose. But we join with Christ in the waiting. How do we celebrate the Prince of Peace as we journey through Advent? As we journeyed through last week and talked in different ways about becoming prisoners of hope. That that we're just captured by hope. That as followers of Christ, we can't get away from it. It's like, binds us up. I think the characteristic of peace is found a little different. I think we embody peace. I think that we embody peace. I think it becomes part of who we are. Why do I think that? Look at verse 11. If you go back to the text. Verse 11. You must, what? Live holy lives. Holy and godly lives. Look at, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. And verse 14. While you are waiting for these things to happen, verse 14, make every effort to be found by him in peace. Pure and faultless. I keep wanting to say thoughtless. Don't be pure and thoughtless. Be pure and faultless. In my life, uh, and this is is a growth step for you. So uh, I was talking with a friend and he says, you know, preachers, you just kind of get to lay lay your whole life out here in front of everybody. And and that's sometimes what what it's like up here. I'm working hard to become a thermostat of peace. Do you understand what I I don't want to be a thermometer of peace. I want to be a thermostat of peace. Okay, so 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 what do what do therm what do thermometers do? Thermometers read the room and they reflect the temperature. Right? That's what thermostats do. Or thermometers do. What does a thermostat do? Thermostat reads the room and regulates the temperature. I want to be a thermostat of peace. I want to be a person that that has a presence in the room that says, I want to bring peace into this place. 
I heard a story once uh, by a guy named, by the name of John Maxwell. Maybe some of you have heard of him. But he tells this story about a flight he was taking. This was pre, pre-9-11 days, so the airports were a little more laid back back then, if you remember. Um, but uh, they were waiting for this plane, and, and there comes an announcement, well, we're just waiting for the crew to arrive. And, and and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when you're in a terminal and you've got a flight and it's delayed and the people who are supposed to, you know, fly the plane, tend to the people on the plane, don't show up. Eh, some people got irritated. It had been 15 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes. And, and you could just feel the agitation in the terminal. What do you do? <laughs> he went to a kiosk and bought like four or five large pizzas and, and, and sodas for everybody. He's like, can you help? And got one of the employees to walk with him. And he just went through the terminal, you know, just handing out pizzas saying, hey, our, our, our crew's coming. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Um, and you just, he said you could, he said he got some strange looks at first and some no thank you. Don't take things from strangers, stranger danger. Um, he gets on the plane, and, and he talks to the, the flight attendants. He's like, can I make a quick announcement? And so he gets on, he's like, the crew here has proven that they're less than reliable, but I'm going to help us out today. We're going to get through this flight just fine. And he was like throwing out peanuts to everybody. What did he do? He read the room, and he said, we can, we can do better than this. We don't have to let this grip us. We don't have to let this take us. The contrast is that we in the weight sometimes let ourselves get stirred up, get riled up, get, get agitated. In fact, this is a year in which getting all amped up is, <laughs> might be what's remembered about 2020. And, and it's easy. It's easy to do. It's a natural response. As many things as there are to stir us up in 2020, look at Second Peter Look at what he talks about. Heavens will pass away with a dreadful noise. The elements will be consumed by fire. The earth and all the works done on it exposed. Heavens destroyed by fire. Elements will melt away in the flames. How do we become people of peace? Even through that. I think it's natural. It's natural in the waiting to get impatient. It's natural to become stirred up. But our calling today is to become living embodiments of people of peace. People who create space for others. People who, who, who reject violence and coercion and power plays and manipulation. History is riddled with people, amazing people, powerful people, who are filled with the peace of God, who accomplish amazing things. Don't get me wrong, people of peace are not without conviction. People of peace do not, are, are not idle. Don't stand by and let anything happen. People of peace reject certain things, certain ways of control, certain ways of, of treating others. How do we do this? How do we live this way? Peter asks this question. Peter answers and asks and answers this question for us. You must live holy and godly lives, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God. 
He says it's about growing. Growing closer to God. It's about discipleship. It's about growing in your faith, learning more things. Being exposed to the word of God and the people of God and saying, how can I live more holy and more godly today than I did yesterday? So much easier in in the climate in which we live and in the world, not only just today, but even 2,000 years ago when Peter was writing, to latch onto a clause, fly a banner, make a statement, vilify the other, and react exactly like the rest of the world. And Christ says, my people are to be people of peace. That when Christ returns, may he find us at peace. Pure and faultless. In this season, as we light the second candle of Advent, the invitation is to embody peace as we find ourselves in this season of waiting, the wait doesn't have to lead to angst or to tension or to, to stress, but it can lead us to the manger. I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward. As, as, as we're called, or as we explore what we are called to be, we find that the invitation to peace is the invitation to become more like God. He was patient first. Did you catch that? He didn't say, be peaceful. He said, become more like me. He was the one that was not slow in coming, but said he was patient for our sake so that none would perish, that all would have the chance to repent, to get their lives right with God and to walk with God. In our waiting, we're invited to desire the same thing to desire that none would perish, to desire that all would have a chance to repent and walk with God. Not only the desire, but a chance to work and to labor and to join Christ in the cause of bringing more to follow him. Would you pray with me? Father God, today we lift our lives to you. In this season of waiting, in this season of Advent, God, I pray that you would descend upon us like a holy calm. That you would ground our our hearts in something that endures through circumstance and endures through what's in front of us. As we look at your life, You were centered on your purpose and knew why you had come. And while you lived a life of deep conviction and and corrected when there was wrongs and stepped in when and, and confronted when you needed to, God, you lived a life of peace. And I pray that our peace would not come from just our effort or just because we think we're supposed to. I pray that our peace would come from a centeredness and a rootedness in the truth of your word. That the baby is coming. And and that Advent hope that we have and that we talked about leads to a sense 
of living a holy and godly life, one that's set aside for you. Lord, help us be peacemakers in a world that desperately needs the Prince of Peace. Be with us this week, I pray, in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, would you stand and extend your hands to receive this the benediction this morning? As we embody the peace of Christ, may our may we live out of the patience of the God who was patient first, and may the world today witness the reign of the Prince of Peace in God's Advent people. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Mm-hmm.